So Trey has permission today in the fast lane, except when guests are talking. He can interrupt me at any point. Trouble in turn two. Oh, an accident on the front straightaway. Should I be like what Fox did at the start of the race and wait five seconds? Or no, I should say it. Wait five seconds until they cut to it like Fox did today with Mike Joy. Because Mike Joy said there's a crash and started explaining it. And then cut, Fox did not cut to it till like at least five seconds after. Yeah, clearly not in mid-season camera form. No, with Fox, they're in mid-season form when they're making the mistakes like that. And also, did you know that Kyle Larson won the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series Championship? Uh, yeah, apparently so. Even though, uh, you know... It, didn't exactly happen that way, according to my recollection, uh, since I did have a Joey Logano ticket that year and it cashed, thankfully. Uh, so, yes. Uh, but anyway, I digress. So we will be talking other things in the fast lane. But if we get an interruption from Trey regarding the race, the Daytona 500, which is just started about a half hour ago, uh, you'll know what it's in regards to. In the meantime, have you ever seen a team shoot one of 11 from the free throw line. It's the first time it's happened this year that a team shot 1 of 11 from the line and yet managed to win the game, shooting that poorly. 9% from the charity stripe. And it's funny because I, I was sitting next to Jerry Ratcliffe after the game, and he'll join us today around 5.30 to kick off covering the Commonwealth. But was sitting next to him in the press conference for the Wake Forest Virginia basketball game. And it, it was rather amusing because... We were looking at the stat sheet, and it really looked pretty even. If you just read the stat sheet as the raw data would indicate, a 49-47 to game. Of course, we're not rewriting history when it comes to offensive production, but everything else looked rather similar. You know, shooting-wise, Virginia held a slight edge, 41% to 35%. 30%, 31%, excuse me, to 24% from three-point shooting. Not all that different, but Virginia was atrocious from the free-throw line. Heck, everywhere else, points in the paint. Virginia by two. Total turnovers or points from turnovers, Virginia by four. Second-chance points, wake by one. Bench points, pretty even. Heck, largest lead of the game, Virginia seven, wake four is five. Everything indicated this was a close game, but there was one disparaging stat, and that actually was not indicative of of who ended up claiming the victory. It was a rather interesting way to get it together. But it was one of the headlines, and it begs the question that was asked afterwards of Blake Buchanan, if bad free throw shooting to this degree, when it's 1 of 11 from the stripe, and nobody has more than three free throw attempts, Buchanan 0 for 3, Dunn 0 for 3, everyone else 2 or fewer. McNeely 1 for 2, last one made. Uh, minor 0 for 2 and then Beekman 0 for 1. If when you have that level of ineptitude, is it in fact contagious? Um, I didn't realize how bad we shot until after the game, um, looking at it. But I mean, we practice it every day. Um, we do stuff after practice. You know, we compete, try to get that mindset. You know, today they just didn't fall, but. You know, we'll get back to it, keep working on it, and we'll knock him down the next game. You kind of wonder, because if you're doing things in practice to try to get better at free throw shooting, you know, and I don't know if there's a clear cut, correct answer to this. Um, I think Virginia actually has handled the, uh, one aspect of this as well as you could. More on that in a moment. But, dude, they were terrible from the line. It got to the point where, you know, I, I mean, I get that there are certain sports personalities who think that there should be an outlaw on the 
hack-a-shack principle. Remember, Shaq was horrible at free throw shooting, and he was fouled and would go to the free throw line. And then people adopted it with Tim Duncan of the Spurs. And now they've done it with Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, I mean, I don't get why you don't have a hack-a-hoo strategy if you're looking at ways to actually do this a little bit better. Because it was clearly something. There was an issue for Virginia. And anybody watching the game could just deduce that logic. That as the game started to progress, it looked like it was mental. Heck, you even got to the point where there were groans from the crowd at John Paul Jones Arena that this is what was transpiring before their very eyes. And it begged the question that I don't think was out of line, but that we asked out of Steve Forbes, the Wake Forest head coach, after the game of whether he considered employing Hackahoo. I would think his team would win. I wouldn't, yeah. I, I, you know, really that, I don't think the game was at that point. Now, maybe had it gotten to that point, trying to steal possessions or whatever. Typically, when you do that, they step up there and make I mean, I, I knew it should have been a talk. You know, we'll, we'll pause it right there because the audio quality is not great. Um, but he, Steve Forbes basically saying that he never thought it was at the point where the hackahoo strategy would have made sense. I'll brush back on it. I, you get to a point where you can tell they step up to the line and they look tentative and then they don't make a free throw and it's a close ball game. I mean, every possession matters. That seemed like the most obvious of decisions to go about it. Now, to their ever-loving credit, Virginia found a way to win in spite of atrocious free-throw shooting, going 1-11 of from the line. And Reese Beekman led the way with this mindset, which is, hey, if you're suffering that badly in an area, you've got to step up and control what you can. And the one thing you can control is not whether shots go in, whether it's a layup, a dunk. Well, I mean, a dunk's kind of easy to control. But a layup, a a, a mid-range jumper, or a three-pointer, or a free-throw... But it's what you do on the defensive end. Yeah, I think it just puts, you know, much more pressure on us on the defensive end, you know, just makes us have to, you know, buckle down and get more stops. I mean, you know, um, fortunately today we did that. Um, you know, some games it might not always be like that. So we just want to, you know, Coach Bennett says always learn and we're going to learn from a win or a loss. So we'll take it, but just learn from it. It puts more pressure on us defensively. Now, I mean, we, we've seen this before that the Virginia Cavaliers are more than capable of that. I apologize in advance. By the way, I don't even think it was the right, the worst handicap. We projected the over in this game, which was dead on arrival and it never had a chance. But we projected the over in this game to hit on Friday's votes of confidence. And the sports books actually took action. And that number rose from the 127 and a half that we got it all the way up to about 130. So uh, we weren't alone in that thinking. Oftentimes uh, with a sport like college basketball, there's some public money that comes in. But for games like this, a lot of times it is. Uh, you know, more respected money, quote-unquote, from professional handicappers, Paul Stones, Kenny Whites of the world, people like that that are guests of ours and do this for a living, not recreationally. But for Virginia, I mean, look, you know, you could have seen this. I, I was kind of secretly hoping that Cam Hildreth was going to make that layup and go to overtime so that we would have had the second time this year at John Paul Jones Arena where a Virginia Cavalier game goes to overtime and yet still comfortably goes underneath the point total. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was also going to say is, um, you know what? Leads us to our game tonight. And I was going to say is... 6.30 airtime, CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg. I, I don't know how to feel. You know, obviously the best promotion in college basketball is the second half of Virginia Tech games where... The opponent, if they miss two free throws in a row, 
you get free bacon. Trey, your colleagues, your classmates, your friends, they may be in for a treat tonight. That I'm just saying, that has to feel, you know, Castle's loud already, but like, you know, that that could be a big issue if they miss free throws tonight for Virginia just because like some cr- they're some crowds are tuned into the free throws, but not as much as like a right like a big possession, especially in that second half. the The crowd is going to be locked into every free throw you attempt if you're Virginia, just because they're so incentivized. Because that's the thing. It's not, just and it's the in- opponent. It's like everything. Well, it's not just you mentioned the locked in part. So six thirty airtime, seven o'clock tip tonight. CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. This is a Virginia Tech team that, that their loss at Carolina went about the way that we thought it was going to go, and, and that Carolina was going to control this game. And every time Virginia Tech cut it to you know six, seven, eight points, Carolina had a run and pushed that lead right back out to thirteen, fourteen, and it settled on a sixteen point margin at the end. A little bit high of what the game flow was, but I mean Carolina was in control the entire way. But it's not like you're sitting here dealing with a Malcolm Brogdon or a J.J. Redick or somebody where their career is like 89% from the free throw line. We're talking about a Virginia team that's got players that combined to go one of 11 from the charity stripe and where they're having to address it and they're not running from it to their credit. But the fans are going to be in tune to that anyway. It's a rivalry game, so as meh as the Virginia Tech men's basketball team is, more on the women momentarily, but as meh as the men's team for Blacksburg or for Virginia Tech happens to be, the game's in Blacksburg tonight. It's a chance to spoil what your rival is building at Virginia, and yes, if you're Virginia Tech, you can do that. So I get why a lot of the professional betting money has gone on the side of Virginia Tech and why they are favored by three and a half. Because if you're talking about a close game, it's hard to trust a team that's this abysmal lately from the free throw line if you're Virginia. Here's the other part, by the way, to that game against Wake Forest. That in a game where it's close, it stayed that way the entire contest. We mentioned it a moment ago. Largest lead, seven by Virginia midway through the second half. Wake Forest, their largest lead was five late first half. That when you're in a nip and tuck game like that, getting a technical foul and losing your cool the way Tony Bennett did, while sometimes that can motivate your players, it it, it could have been detrimental to the Virginia Cavaliers. And again, to his credit, Tony Bennett at least owned and acknowledged that, but it was a clear slip-up, a boo-boo on his behalf. I thought uh, Hildreth had traveled on the play. I thought he had carried it and kind of traveled. And I and I said, call the bleeping foul. And um, and he heard me, and I asked him, I said, why'd you call T? He said, because you, you cussed at me. And I said, all right, I guess I deserve that. But if every time a coach in our league is dropping a a cuss word, there'd be a lot of technicals. So, but, uh, but I shouldn't have said that. I really shouldn't have. That was classless on my part. It was just the heat of the moment because it was a big possession. I thought we, we were guarding, we were guarding, and I thought he had traveled. I watched the tape. I might be wrong. And again, I shouldn't have said that the way I said it to him, but it just um, it came out. So, um, and uh, he had heard that, and that's why he said he gave me a T. Tony Bennett, explaining how he got a technical. First of all, he cursed. That's breaking news in and of itself because he's pretty clean-lipped uh, anytime uh, he's ever around. But he's human like all of us. Trey, uh, I mean, I know around here, you know, if, if we got sensitive about curse words flying, I think you, I, and Gary would all be out and Melinda would be the only one left here. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. And anybody else who comes into the building might As long as, as you well. don't say it live on the mic. 
that's that's our one hope our one prayer dear lord please make sure that doesn't happen and i've uh, this is i've tried to get better but maybe that's what i have to try to give up for lent next year or a new year's resolution because that's going to take some serious willpower to get to that point i should always be working on my mouth and uh at times it's good but then the frustration sets in and voila it, it goes out the window but tony bennett's not wrong trey that if we call it a technical foul every time somebody cursed, Coach K and maybe to a lesser extent Roy Williams and perhaps even Dean Smith would have all been thrown out of games regularly in their heyday. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it multiple times. Yes. It's very true. I mean, you can lip sync to figure out what some of these coaches have said. Seth Greenberg, same thing. The joke was, by the way, if they called technical fouls that regularly, Seth Greenberg would have been thrown out in the layup line when he was coaching at Virginia Tech, that it was that uh, prevalent during his tenure. But anyway, I digress off that. Tony Bennett had a little bit more to say about the art of getting teed up and, more importantly, uh, how he regrets it because of what it could have done to his team. But I I really felt bad about it, but, like, you know, because points were at a premium, and that was two points. And last time I did that, um, (laughs) that was my first year, uh, we ended up losing that game, and I just I didn't want – us to although had we made the free throws it would have been a little different but yeah it's just one of those bang bang plays and uh it was a physical game and again um what was said was it was said and shouldn't have done it and again we move on if we made the free throws it would have been different well yeah sure it would have but i mean tony bennett the, the crux of the two sound bites we played of him is at least taking ownership for the technical foul and look I, I mean look if i'm a virginia fan i grant the guy some grace he hasn't gotten a technical foul in over a decade 2010 i believe it was when gravis vasquez and maryland were about to beat virginia and tony bennett was just frustrated at the end of that loss uh, but you know, really since then as frustrated as he gets at certain times he largely has kept his cool if you have one bad moment in a 15-year stretch that's a heck of a lot better than me and a heck of a lot better than a lot of these other coaches who happen to be out there um we're going to pivot off our discussion on the virginia tech lady Hokies. we'll get more in depth into that by the way with david cunningham of TechSideline.com in just a few moments here in the fast lane but there are other topics to address which we do right now in the fast five at five ish it's time for the fast five at five ish Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. So we touched on the big games of the weekend. Virginia holding off Wake Forest this past Saturday at John Paul Jones Arena, 49-47. to um, The other games worth note in the ACC, I, we're really actually, what we're really doing is we're starting to get clarity for the most part on teams that are NCAA tournament worthy. The one game that defied that was NC State's 78-77 win at Clemson. A team that right now with the win at North Carolina, Clemson probably still in the NCAA tournament picture. But there are concerns when you lose a game like that at home to NC State, who I don't think they've played their way into the picture just yet, even though the Wolfpack are 8-6 in the ACC and Clemson 7-7, but they are worth consideration. Meanwhile, Pitt, they did what you should do when you are as offensively gifted as they are. You blow out Pittsburgh, or you blow out Louisville 86-59. Other points of clarity. Syracuse not being a tournament team, they lost at Georgia Tech 65-60. I know the Yellow Jackets have beaten Duke, North Carolina, and Clemson in their other three ACC wins, but that's the only thing they've done at all in ACC play. And to lose that game, even if it's on the road for Syracuse, it's one of those where you get more clarity that they are not a tournament team, much like 
the Miami Hurricanes are not a tournament team going up to Boston College and dropping one 85 to 77. Uh, I'll give Jeremy Larinaga a pass. And, you know, if, for if anything, Miami is one of the cautionary tales of name, image, and likeness. And I'm not saying that I'm against NIL and using those funds to bring in talent for teams. Miami did it last year and they made it to the final four. All right. So, so we're clearly aware of that. Other programs, UConn included, have embraced NIL. North Carolina with Armando Baycott, it's been obvious, and he got them to the brink of a national championship a couple of years ago, and he's got them as a top 10 team right now in the NCAAs, so it, it can be used the right way. But there are times where when things go awry, how much buy-in do you get from players? You know, the extreme examples are the Memphis Tigers losing 6 of 9. Again, that tournament, uh, that projection to make a run in March, that ticket is as dead as can be right now that I have. Uh, Michigan's another example. And yes, those are former players that are now head coaches, and that's a whole different can of worms about the challenge of being a player and then trying to coach. And you may have been a star player, but asking guys to do something that you could physically do and they physically probably shouldn't be trying to do is an issue but it's the truth of this situation right now uh in college basketball anyway miami we got clarity on their status same thing with florida state losing at home against duke i know they're seven and seven in the acc the Knowles are but they're just one game above 500 overall and as bad as they were uh in non-conference play including that blowout loss to lipscomb right before conference play really got underway that that's a big no can do for a team like florida state meanwhile very quietly the Duke Blue Devils are 20 and 5 overall and 11 and 3 in the ACC and their only losses in their last 18 games are that loss at home to Pitt which doesn't look nearly as bad. Pitt looking like a tournament team with wins at Duke and at Virginia. And the other loss was at North Carolina, which, I mean, again, there's no shame in that. Speaking of North Carolina and their game against Virginia Tech. Number four. The Carolina Tar Heels. We gave an overview of that a moment ago about how Carolina, every time Virginia Tech would push that Carolina deficit down to about six, seven, eight points, the Heels would respond right back with key buckets and a couple of defensive stops, and it would go back to double digits. And it ultimately was a 15-point, I misspoke, it's not 16, 15-point margin, 96-91. But, I mean, the fact that Tech gave up 96 kind of tells you all you need to know that Carolina, it doesn't feel like this was their most complete effort defensively, and they haven't had that for the last handful of games. But listening to the game on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app coming back from Charlottesville, it felt like Carolina knew the entire way that they could keep Virginia Tech at arm's length and just minimize what they had to do uh, defensively, getting stops when necessary, minimizing the effort exerted there, and they would have offensive players that could step up and make plays. And they had four and double figures. Armando Baycott was fantastic. 11 out of 16 from the floor a double-double, 25 points and 12 rebounds for Carolina. And even Harrison Ingram and R.J. Davis also chipping in with a good game. This was real complete offensively for Carolina, and they did enough to control the flow of the game. Number three. More on the Liberty Flames loss at Sam Houston State in a moment uh, with Alan York, the play-by-play voice, in the back half of covering the Commonwealth. And we'll give our thoughts on the Flames later on this week in the fast lane. But for the Carolina, uh, for Liberty in that loss, the way they lost, The most discouraging part was they looked like they were never ready out of the gate. They fell down 18-2 from the get-go. To their credit, they were down 25 at one point and rallied to cut it within eight. But very rarely do you pull off that type of comeback because you have to exert so much and every single thing has to go right. 
if you want to pull off that comeback and when you perform as poorly as North as, as Liberty did against Sam Houston State it inevitably will come back to haunt you when you're trying to close down the stretch it's the law of averages and for Liberty they just dug themselves much too deep of a hole Number two. ACC women's basketball yesterday, most notably the Virginia Lady Cavaliers. Look, to their credit, again, they fell down early and they fought against Syracuse. This is a program that's learning how challenging it is that if you don't bring your A game for 40 minutes against teams in Syracuse, again, they're kind of a quiet top 25 women's basketball team, but you're not going to be able to win a game in ACC play by allowing a team to jump out to an early lead like Syracuse was able to do, and that's become a problem for Virginia. Meanwhile, as we shift over to... And number one on the Fast Five at five is The Virginia Tech Lady Hokies. That was a statement caliber win at Louisville. The Virginia Tech offense shot 73% from the floor through the first three quarters of that game. Remember, women's basketball, they have 10-minute quarters, four of them, as opposed to two 20-minute halves. Way better. I actually like that a lot better, too, Trey. I think it breaks up the flow of the game a lot more, and it allows – it kind of has a quicker feel. Also, they advance the basketball. I do like that as well. On timeouts and late-game situations, much like the NBA, which is great for strategy purposes. It adds some more drama. Whereas in men's basketball, you know, if the team makes a free throw or even misses one and you call a timeout with 2.2 seconds left, you get it under the goal and you have to go the full length of the floor. It just takes away some level of excitement for a buzzer beater. And who doesn't like that? Meanwhile, the other parts of the game, though, Trey, this was a good win for the Virginia Tech Lady Hokies. Uh, we'll delve into this later in the week. But one of the keys that has stood out is this looks like a team that could make a deep run in March. We knew it, but now they're adding to that. Just look at the resume in and of itself. The only bad losses they have were at Duke and at LSU earlier in the year. Otherwise, they've been close losses or they've gotten wins at NC State and Louisville. They won at North Carolina. They now got home victories as well against Duke and NC State. They're accruing a resume where it's almost as though, obviously, they'd love to win another ACC Women's Basketball Tournament, but if they don't, they should still be a team that is more than ready and allowed to host an NCAA regional, meaning they're a top 16 seed. Yeah, they were 10th in the selection committee's poll. So that would put them as a three seed, one of the, you know, which which they have a clear path to a two seed, which either way, that means they're hosting a first round matchup. They want to be a top four seed. That's the that's their goal. So they can have games back at neutral site air quotes around that Castle Coliseum. Um, but I, I think two things and Evan and I touched on this last week, which you can go back and listen to their depth appears to be better this year, at least like ladies that Kenny Brooks can go to the bench and get reliable minutes from and the emergence of more size especially like a freshman like Clara Strack who has played really good minutes for this team and is another center keyword there center that you can pair with Liz Kitley which was something they didn't have against LSU last year that ultimately hurt them obviously they didn't also have it against LSU this year like they need that size 
to battle some of these teams that might try to out-physical them, and now it appears they have it. More on that later this week in the fast lane, because the Lady Hokies do not play for another week until next Sunday. Till game way, day. Yes, we'll have more on that as well later in the week here in the fast lane. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the fast lane, it's a little bit different version of covering the Commonwealth because they are around the end of stage one right now 12 to go 12 to go thank you trey um quick update by the way from your boss tom bowles of frontstretch.com 22 and 22 laps led by ford and toyota chevy has 10 all from chase Elliott. yeah but at this rate he's gonna lead the next 12 so he might he might win you know he might might. single-handedly get it to 66 laps and everybody leading 22 Uh, but anyway No NASCAR update during covering the Commonwealth because we'll just interject for Trey's updates as the race unfolds. Uh, And by the way, I kind of like this because it's, you know, you get a chance to in the fast lane, then we get to go home and watch the end of the race, and that'll make it really, really cool. In the meantime, and listen to it on our way home through the MRN broadcast, which cool moment they put PRN's Doug Rison, who announced this is his final year in the radio, they let him call. The Daytona 500 for part of it, so shout out to MRN. Uh, that's a very cool point indeed. That's the Trey. six of the Fast Five at Five-ish. How about that? Thank you, Trey. We went above and beyond the call of duty. What else is new? When we return in the Fast Lane, the insight you've come to expect from the experts you know and love. Part one of covering the Commonwealth next here in the Fast Lane.